Welcome to the Vespers Project. My name is Ben Pruitt and it is my pleasure to welcome you to the first ever episode of The Power of Vespers, or POV for short. My point of view on any subject might be different than yours, so I wanted a place to discuss deep stuff with others, specifically around Vespers. This idea got started when I was reflecting on Vespers at Blue Ridge Leaders School, which is a physical fitness school that builds character for YMCA Leaders Club participants from across the southeast. It's located at YMCA Blue Ridge Assembly in Black Mountain, North Carolina, and the views are stunning. At Blue Ridge, there's a Vespers every evening after dinner, and over 950 people come together to be inspired. Reflecting on this, I realized that I wanted to be inspired more often and take Vespers home to share with those that may never get to experience the mountain or the school. So... Just in case there are some listening to this that aren't sure or don't know what a Vespers is, don't worry. We're going to dive into that right now. So let's go. What is a Vespers? Or Vespers? Yeah. It's a color, isn't it? To me, Vespers is a time to reflect on all of the things that we are feeling inside, all the things that other people are feeling inside, and to just kind of connect our feelings as like a big mass of people. Because a lot of times people don't know how to be vulnerable. What is what? Vespers. I don't know. I have no idea. What is Vespers? Yeah. What is Vespers? I know, but what is it? I don't know what it is. Vespers is a special time. It's where you reflect, look back, and just think. In some Vespers, there's a theme. One of the most powerful Vespers I've listened to was one about caring, and how you should care for everyone, because you don't know what they're going through. Vespers can be very emotional, so take time to listen and just breathe. Vespers is a sunset evening prayer service in the Orthodox, Roman Catholic, and Eastern Catholic, Anglican, and Lutheran liturgies of the canonical hours. Vespers is a time of reflection. It's a time of relaxation. It's a time of thought. It's when you open up your mind and let thoughts flow in and out. It's a time of learning from others. It's a time of silence. It's a time of growth. Vespers is a time of reflection in which individuals are able to connect spoken word and lyrics to their own life. It's a pause in daily life that's grounding. Sometimes hopeful, sometimes painful, Vespers allows you to step back and move forward with a clearer spirit, mind, and body. So clearly there are some different opinions on what a Vespers is. Uh, For the purposes of this project, Vespers will be a time of reflection, a chance to be inspired, a prayer. And I want to be intentional about what I mean by a prayer because in today's day and age, there are so many people that are put off by even the mention of prayer. For the purposes of this project, I want you to think about prayer as a practice of mindfulness, a chance to reflect on the topic provided, to experience gratitude, to appreciate something greater than ourselves. The whole Vespers will serve as a prayer something that helps you become a more loving person. Some Vespers that you hear will include an intentional prayer or blessing, while others may not. Some will pray to God, while some will leave it open for you to be mindful about whatever you choose, while others still might do something entirely different from what you expect. 
Blessings, on the other hand, are a chance to express gratitude, to hope, and to wish well-being and love into someone's life. So with all of this, I hope to frame Vespers in a way that is inclusive, that allows us a chance to be mindful together despite our faith history. Because the goal of this project is to hear different Vespers each episode. They will take different forms, usually lasting from 10 to 15 minutes. We will introduce the Vespers each week, listen to the Vespers together, and then discuss the Vespers in some way. You'll see, or hear, I guess. Sometimes we'll hear an older Vespers, and other times we will have new Vespers submissions. I want this to be a community project, so I am formally inviting you to write a Vespers to submit to this project. We'll talk about how you would do that at the end. But for now, this episode, I hope that you'll enjoy a Vespers compiled by me. I use the word compiled because while I wrote pieces of it, much of it comes from other authors and people that have inspired me. Their words and songs should be honored as theirs. So there will always be a Vespers notes to go along with each episode that includes song titles and artists, quotes used, and anything else that needs to be referenced. This Vespers was brought to you by yours truly and compiled with a lens of love. Love is, wait, can I think about it? It's not a feeling. It's, well, it could be a feeling, but I think it is, hold up. It's when you want, like, goodness for another person and happiness, and it's like a sacrifice for another person. It's, it could be a feeling, like, I feel love, but I think it's more of, it's more of an action. Love is an action, I think. Words seem inadequate when explaining love to others, even to our closest friends. Words are just the pretext, the vague semblance of what we truly hope to convey. Even still, we all attempt to put love into words to make it easier to grasp Unfortunately, I believe that has led us towards a greater misunderstanding of love's true nature. In our culture, we have latched on to the concept of falling in love rather than choosing love, as if love were an accident. The reality is that letting love into our lives requires an incredible well of courage. Love offers no place of safety. With love, we risk loss, hurt, grief, we risk being acted upon by forces well outside of our control. Choosing love also suggests that we understand what love is already. However, so many of us don't know what it is. If we do not know what it is that we are feeling, then choosing love is almost beyond our grasp. It is easier, better even, to fall 
because then we do not need to be responsible for our actions. Let us then begin by recognizing love as an action rather than a feeling to help us assume accountability and responsibility. Love is a verb. It ain't a thing. It's not something you hold. It's not something you scream. When you show me love, I don't need your words. Yeah, love ain't a thing. Love is a verb. Love ain't a crutch. It ain't an excuse. No, you can't get through love. I'm just a pile of IOUs. Love ain't a drug. Despite what you've heard. Yeah, love ain't a thing. Love is a verb. Love ain't a thing. Love is a verb. So you gotta show, 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 show me. Show, 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 show me. Show, 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 show me. Love is a verb. You gotta show, 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 show me. is the meaning of life. I believe experiencing love in ourselves and in others is the meaning of life. Love is what we are born with, unfolded and beautiful. And yet we learn to fold, fearing the loss, the grief. Life is the spiritual journey of embracing courage and accepting love back into our hearts, even when we are terrified. Some of us even attempt to deny that love exists or that there's fulfillment in love because living disappointed is easier to face than the reality that love is a real fact of life but is absent from our lives. If we don't deny that love exists, we deny that we deserve to be loved and our love lies dormant, sleeping. We accept the love we think we deserve and we tell ourselves, I and not enough. I look at you all, see the love then that's sleeping, while my guitar gently weeps. I look at the floor, and I see it needs sweeping. Still my guitar should be I don't know why Nobody told you How to unfold your love I don't know how 
controlled you They bought it so deserve love, not just the words, but the actions behind love. Our world needs us first to understand what love is, so that we don't fall in love by accident. Instead, we must choose love and accept the responsibility. I choose to love myself without armor, to love those in my path, to take the bruises and the breaks, the tears, the tears, and to temper my soul through those aches and pains. I will own my story by leaning into the discomfort of courage. I will express myself rather than repress myself, knowing full well that I may fall. When I fall, I will rely on my gratitude. I will practice gratitude with my friends and family to remind myself of joy I will not practice, teach, or love anything or anyone perfectly. And because of this, I will be seen for who I truly am, with every fray, patch, and tear. This, above all else, will guide me to choosing love. So I invite you to join me, to take a second and choose love, because we are lovable. Part of me still wants all the love and affection that you were so cautious to 
give just to lay by your side and feel your heart pounding fueling my passion to live behind these walls I try to wait convinced it hadn't been too late for countless hours time that I trusted you, you never pulled through. When I said that I loved you, you said nothing in return. All it takes is a second, babe, to make me feel lovable. And I'm lovable. Oh.
You said nothing in return All it takes is a second, babe To make me feel lovable And I'm I want to bless those of us that struggle to choose love in the face of all that we could lose. I want to bless all of us who have loved and lost and fear loving again. It is terrifying. And I hope we can all lean into that discomfort so that we may have meaning in our lives. We are lovable. So I'm really excited because I have brought a friend of mine to help. And this is Jason Wyckoff. He's one of my good friends. And one of the reasons I brought him onto the show is because he is not an expert, but certainly has experience with writing Vespers. He had a chance to do that. And I'm going to let him kind of give his background now. But uh, I wanted to welcome Jason. So Jason, tell us about yourself. Yeah. um, So I grew up through the Leaders Club program in the YMCA, where I ended up meeting Ben. But this past summer, I was able to serve at Blue Ridge Leader School and ended up writing Vespers on respect, and a lot of that was self-respect. So Ben asked me to come on and kind of talk about love and how it connects to our lives and how it just builds community. And one of my favorite questions, which I always tend to ask people, is what is your definition of love? What drives you to build connections with other people? So that's kind of what I'll start with you, Ben. What is your definition of love? I think for me, love is something that we must do. It's not something that we can just feel. It's something that we have to take action on. And I, one of my favorite definitions of love comes from Brene Brown. It's not something we give or get. It's something we nurture and grow. 
And I think that a lot of times we think that we are being loving and kind towards other people, but in reality, that's just something that we're feeling on the inside. And that feeling is important, but it needs to drive us to action in order to help other people feel that love as well. And so that's why I ultimately land on love being an action, uh, something that we must do, not just simply feel. But I mean, that's another point you bring up is this idea of falling in love, this like construct that we have that love is just something we like walk into and like hit our head on the door with. Yep. But for you, it's different. You say it's this action, this conscious choice we have to make, right? Yeah, I think a lot of times what happens is if I, if I look back at my high school relationship, my first, my first girlfriend, my first relationship, and this is, of course, analyzing love through a romantic lens, not through a, uh, just a love lens in general. But if I look at it through that romantic lens, through my first girlfriend, I realized that I was taking actions to further the feeling that I wanted. Right, and so uh, we started talk, talking on back. Hey, throwback! I'm gonna date myself uh, through AOL Instant Messenger, <laughs> and uh, all of a sudden we just started talking, and we started talking more and more, and I started wanting to continue that feeling, and so I was taking action, and I was doing these things to perpetuate that feeling and continue it and grow it, and uh, I got lucky in that she wanted that feeling to continue as well. And so she was taking action to continue. And so together, because we were working towards the same goal, it ended up that we ended up in a relationship for a little while. Um, And I think that I could easily look back at that and say that I fell in love. Um, But if I look at it and use the hindsight 2020, and I really think about the language that I'm using, I think that it, it changes. I think that if I think about the fact that I was taking action, I was making things happen, I made that relationship happen. She made that relationship happen, and together we worked towards what love is. Whereas I think what happens a lot of times is we don't understand that we are making actions, that we are doing things that are helping and perpetuating that feeling to grow. And so when we aren't aware of the actions we're taking, we assume that it's by accident. And then we fail to be able to create it in the future because we just assume that we have to wait for it to happen again rather than make it and take it ourselves. So you talk about through a romantic lens there, kind of these conscious actions you take. But if you go deeper into like a family dynamic where sure. love is unconditional, how does that conscious action still come into play? You know. I think that's an assumption to say that all family love is unconditional. I think that, like for instance, I I have six siblings. I have a mom and a dad, and I'm not close with all of them. And I I do not feel unconditional love towards all of my family. And I think that might be a controversial statement for for people to hear, but I I love my family. I think. I love all people, but I think that for me to really feel unconditional love is really difficult for people to really lean into the discomfort of what that really means. Families are tough because they have the key to what makes us feel most prone to shame and and guilt. And uh, when they push those buttons, it's really hard to bounce back sometimes. And so one of the things that Brene says in her definition is that the 
shame, blame, and disrespect can happen, but they have to be rare. And so I think if they happen over the course of time and they happen repeatedly, I don't think that love is unconditional. I think it dies. Yeah, that's big. I think understanding the different kind of backgrounds people come from does make us assume a lot about love. Another kind of point you like to drive home in this is that to you, love is the meaning of life. It's kind of this overarching key that connects people. Uh, can you speak to kind of what love means to you? Well, it goes beyond this idea of just affection or caring for other people. It, it's, it's a lot more to you. Yeah, it is. I felt so jaded around the idea of people not practicing what they preach and there are these aspirational values that people hold but the practiced values aren't what's happening right now. And so I think for me, the reason I landed on love being so important is that that is what felt most sacred to me. Every time I felt love, whether that was for uh, the kids I was working with at summer camp, whether that was my romantic relationships, whether that was my family, no matter what, I felt like that's when I felt most grounded, sacred, and inspired. And I think the meaning of life is to love as much as we can. And I think it's hard. And I think that's the point, is that we have to learn how to do it uh, in the face of those difficulties. One of my favorite quotes from Renee Brown, one of your favorite people, um, is that you can only love others as much as you love yourself. And this idea that it's kind of like this balance beam, that if we can't see love, if we can't accept it, it's hard for us to give it. So in this idea that we're in this continual search to find love, this continual journey of seeking out and creating this peace among all people, how do we find that strength that we deserve it? How do we find this belief that we are capable of loving ourselves so that we can love others? One of the things that comes to mind when you ask that question is, I am enough, that, that whole, the, the idea that I am enough. And I am blank enough. Because a lot of times what happens is we in our lives are going through different things and that blank space in that sentence is different for each of us. And so it might not, it might be I'm not smart enough, I'm not tall enough, I'm not athletic enough, I'm not X, Y, or Z enough. And those are the, the little tapes that play in our head at our lowest moments. And I think that is what prevents us ultimately from feeling love for another person. Because when we are holding ourselves back and we do not believe that we are lovable, when we look back on our lives and we don't feel that we are enough, that we belong, then we treat ourselves that way. Uh, I love the quote that I used from Stephen Chbosky, which is, we accept the love we think we deserve. And it kind of goes along with yours. Like, if I don't love myself, how can I love other people? And I think that it's really controversial for a reason, is because we want so hard and we ache so much to be able to love other people so that we don't have to love ourselves. Because that's sometimes really difficult to be able to look in the mirror and say, I care about you and mean, and mean it. For some people, that's extremely hard. And it's and for some people, including me, like it's not I'm not saying I'm above it all. Like that, that's difficult. And the difference between someone living a wholehearted life 
comes down to whether you believe that you are lovable or not. Cool. So let's dive a little bit deeper into your first song, Love is a Verb. Um, talk me through why you chose it. Where, why that song? So Love is a Verb was a song that I originally didn't want to pick. I was thinking about songs that I wanted to choose. I was thinking about lots of different choices and I originally felt that this song was a bit too obvious. Um, it's exactly the message that I wanted. So I wanted to like try and be more clever and a little bit more subtle with my message at first. But then as I perused songs, I, it just always came back to this one and it just made the most sense. Yeah, and I think some of the interesting or some of the first lines really kind of tie in with that message you're trying to pull across, both with some of the vocals you got in the beginning when hearing people try to explain love, and then also your idea that words are just the pretext to love, as you say. Um, one big thing that comes out in, in the chorus is love is a verb, it ain't a thing, it's not something you own, it's not something you scream, right? It's this idea that love isn't this thing we can just put in a box it's not something that we can easily compact that it's it's so much larger than that and kind of can you speak to like that idea of love why why can it go beyond this thing why does it go beyond just something you kind of hold yeah i think for me thinking of love and i said this in the vespers but thinking of love as an action automatically and this is a bell hooks quote uh she's an incredible author on uh, race and um, feminism and all kinds of things. But uh, this specifically is a quote around how when you go ahead and assume that love is an action, what you do is it automatically requires us to have accountability and responsibility around it. And so when I see it as an action, when it's not just a thing, it's not something I own, right? It's not a thing that I can just have. It's something that I have to nurture and cultivate and uh, act on. And so it makes it so that it's my responsibility to put more love into the world and to create it. It's not something that can just be had or held on to. Yeah, I think it also speaks to probably one of my favorite lines in all the songs you chose is, love ain't a crutch, it ain't an excuse, right? It's not something that I can fall back on. It's not something that I can just rely on. Because I think a lot of the time we think as love is this constant thing we're reaching for, we're always trying to obtain. But on the flip side of it, love is something we kind of take for granted for sometimes. That's that it's, so true. It's yeah. this thing that we have. I know, in a lot of relationships, I see even toxic ones, we, they always fall back, but I'm in love with this person, right? But it's not something that we can always just rely on. It's not the excuse, oh, it's okay, I love him, or it's, it's okay, I love her. It's it's so dynamic. It's something so much more than that. Well, and I think what that also speaks to is the fact that when we do rely on it, when we do lean on it and do take it for granted, what happens is we lose it and it starts to disintegrate and it starts to, um, it starts to die. And that's really troubling because when we, we do it a lot and uh, that's a lot of times with my friends, with, uh, my partners and things like that, what happens is there's always the saying that love is a two-way street, right? And if one person is constantly leaning on it, uh, it seems as though that will be draining and that would cause resentment and that would lead to a relationship that probably wouldn't last very long. Yeah. And that connects even further down the song when they reference IOUs and drugs, this idea that it's, it's something we abuse almost. It's something that's not, that's not equal. Um, 
but it's again, it's a very uplifting song to kind of like start your Vespers off. But then you transition more into a slower song. And I know that's partly to do with just the nature of your different sections of your Vespers, how you decided to break it up. But it's also your next song, While My Guitar Gently Weeps, is more of a moving song. It's it's one that goes a little bit slower and at least from appearance comes off as kind of somber, sad. Yeah. Is, is that how you see it also? You know, when, so when I was thinking about the layout and the creating its Vespers, I thought about what, what am I trying to send? What is the message that these songs are sending? And so the first song for me is uh, delivering my first message, which is that love is an action and we have to treat it as such in order to go throughout our lives and feel love the way that we want to feel it. And therefore, uh, that led to me thinking, okay, once I tell that and I share that, what's something that gets in the way of us doing it? Right, And that's what this song is about. It's about what gets in the way of us expressing love and feeling love and seeing love as an action. And so, yeah, it is a little bit of a mood shift because the first one I think is uplifting due to not only the lyrics, but also the music itself is uh, using guitar as well. And it's, for me, I listen to that. I'm like, I'm like, yeah. But when I get into this one, I'm like, oh no, <laughs> this is sad. And like, and I feel it. And I, I think it speaks to the fact that love isn't always pretty. Love is something that we have to lean into the discomfort of sometimes. Yeah. So it opens up and it's almost, it's a story to the, yeah. to the fact of this man almost looking at love in, in the world he sees. And it goes, I look at you all, see the love that there is sleeping while my guitar gently weeps, I look at the floor, the floor, and I see it needs sweeping. Um, still, my guitar gently weeps, and I think that's the one word I kind of like attach to that. It's almost like he sees potential in the world, something that needs to be maintained or cultivated. But I know it. It also comes off as that we'll never reach that point. That it's always this elusive thing that's escaping. That I know it, it seems out of reach. For me. I I have two perspectives on that. And I think that what this song speaks to with those lines is this is not necessarily a, I see that this is happening for you, which is, so it's not like a sympathy song. I think it's more of like, I feel this. I feel this in me. I feel this in the world. I feel this in you. And so to me, that seems more like an empathy song where it's not, I'm sorry for you. That sucks. It's a, this sucks and I see it and I feel it and I want to express that through my guitar, right? And so I love that it goes into the, the next thing is, I don't know why nobody told you how to unfold your love. And I don't think that's coming from a perspective of nobody told you, they told me, but nobody told you. I don't know why nobody told you. I think it's more a lament. I don't know why Nobody told you how to unfold your love. I don't know how someone controlled you. They bought and they sold you. It feels to me more like a lament. Hmm. And so that to me is the, just the expression of what it looks like and what it feels like to see in not only you, but in myself, what it looks like when love is there, but it's so deep that it's sleeping. Interesting. Yeah, I think... It's an interesting perception between that idea of pity and empathy yeah. and working working through 
the perceptions we have of the relationships and the love and how people can truly feel. Um, I think one, another powerful line in there that I think can have a few different meanings is, I don't know how someone controlled you, they bought and sold you. And I think there's little connotations to that. There's also this idea that we, we go back to the idea that love is almost like a finite thing. It's a currency that we're handing out and how it can be used to control someone. Can yeah. you speak to kind of how that moves you in the song? Well, I think it's interesting that you phrase it that way because I, I think that that's a misnomer, meaning that when we say love can control people, I think that it stops being love when you use it as a manipulation tool. And I think that when we start using love in a way that is not mutually beneficial, when we treat love as an action, as a means to an end, that is not something that both parties are interested in, I think that it stops being love and becomes something else. And so I think that you're right in that the author here, and this is the Beatles, right? So the Beatles originally wrote this. This version is from across the universe. Um, but for this, when they were thinking about that, I wonder if that's what, what they were thinking, if they saw love as a means of manipulation sometimes and how it's sometimes not a good thing. So I don't know. That's an interesting perspective. Yeah. And it, it continues to go further. More the lyrics, very poetic in my opinion doing a lot of rhyme between diverted, perverted, inverted, et cetera. Um, yeah. I think as long as you care, that, that empathy, that passion always stays with it, even if it is gently weeping. Mm. And finally, you ended off with lovable. Um, again, this is another one which it's like a story. Yeah. It's, there's so much coming from it. And do you want to speak to that story that, that progression that you can see throughout the song? Sure. So I, th I think it's important to think of that in the context of the other songs as well. So I think the first one, again, revisiting that is teaching us that love is an action and giving us the phrasing and the words to describe it that way. And then we learn what gets in the way, right? So what gets in the way of us feeling that love, it's the fact that we, we, we see that there's love in the world, that it's sleeping and we, we feel so much pain and empathy and that it's a dark place and sometimes it's hard and we don't want to feel it. But I think what prevents us from feeling it is the fact that we don't always see ourselves as lovable. And so I wanted a message that said that we are, we are lovable and we deserve love. And I thought this song did it. And so it starts out in a place where the person singing is not feeling like they have been shown love by their partner. And it's so difficult and heart-wrenching. The piano is just incredible and luring you into that and her voice at the beginning. And what it leads into is later in the song, it's I'm lovable, I'm lovable, I'm lovable. And that's something that she learned through her journey. Right, And she learned that and she said, all it takes is a second to make me feel lovable. And she wanted that action. She wanted those actions from other people. When the other party is not showing you love, it's really hard to feel lovable. And so the message in the tape that was playing in her head was not necessarily very positive. 
And then as it moved forward, she was like, no, I'm lovable. I deserve this. One thing I really like that you do is talk about these tapes that are playing in her head. And it relates back to me because a lot of times I tell myself, I'm telling myself stories. That there are things that I'm making up or the perspective that I have. And I think that comes through a lot when she's saying, solemnly swearing that you would even truly see how much you needed me. There's a story in her head that makes it sound like she doesn't feel like she's enough. That she is working behind these walls, that she is trying to put herself out there, make reasons why she should be loved, when a lot of the time it kind of seems like she doesn't. It feels like she's fighting for that. So can you kind of talk to how that plays to your overarching theme of vulnerability? This idea that you have to look beyond these stories you tell in your head to find that eternal truth, to find that reality. Yeah, well, and it's, it's, it's very simple. Like the, the thing that she's saying to herself right now is that you needed me. Not that this other person is there and having this thought process and I should probably fact check it and see what they're actually feeling. Instead, it's how much you needed me. And I think for countless hours I laid here solemnly swearing that you would even truly see how much you needed me. I think for me, I wonder if her life would have been different if the story she told herself was that story, but then she fact checked and said, I wonder if this is how my partner actually feels. I wonder if the action she could have taken to feel love in this moment would have been to have a tough conversation and lean into that discomfort and ask the question, right? Because that to me was holding her back in this moment. And I wonder what it would have been like if that changed it. Yeah, and I think, again, to kind of talk about this, this what would happen, this what if, is marked in this transition between the opening section where she's kind of craving this love and to the where the second section where she kind of, she has found her love, she has found her strength. And it's, it's this beautiful imagery between behind these walls, these idea of walls that are holding her back, and yet we jump to the second section where she says, I'm breaking down, or I won't break down, I won't walk away, I'm a solid stone. So she's going from these walls, something she's hiding behind, to this idea where she is the rock. She is the thing that holds strong. And I think that imagery is something that kind of pushes us, that beauty in being vulnerable, the reason we continue to move forward. Um, and I think the idea that in the end, that she's realized she is the strength, she is the love, and that if you would have taken that second, you would have seen I'm lovable, that I don't need your love, is something that we should continue to strive for. Well, and I want to push back a little bit. I don't think it's that I don't need your love. It's that I am lovable and I deserve love. And it's not that I don't need yours. It's that love is something that I deserve, whether you're giving it to me or not. And there are other people in this person's life that she can go to and feel that love and know that she is cared for. Right. And so I, I think I love the imagery you used because that's what's in here is the fact that there are walls. And I think that in order to feel love, we have to lean into that discomfort and that vulnerability that you've been talking about. And we are so terrified that we will get shot down when we do that because it's we're vulnerable. And in order to feel love and feel the exquisite emotion and the exquisite uh, action that it requires us to take, we have to have courage. We have to lean into the discomfort that it requires to be open and honest. 
And that's the action that it requires. The action that love requires is for us to be honest. And that's terrifying sometimes. Yeah. Um, looking, you've kind of talked about all three songs as a whole. Is there anything that you think we missed? Anything that may have slipped between the cracks that you really want people to catch on to in any of your songs or in any of your messages that we've talked about so far? No. I think that for me, we hit on a lot of the things that I really wanted to talk about with these three songs. And I think that if I were to pick one thing that I really wanted to drive home after listening to this, it's that, yes, love is hard. It requires us to take action. And we have to feel brave enough to take it on if we're going to really be able to experience what love really is. What that really requires is for us to say to ourselves that we are lovable and we deserve it. And that alone will give us permission to feel it in a way that we've never been able to before. And then the last one I think it's worth talking about is Can You Feel the Love Tonight as an instrumental. So Can You Feel the Love Tonight is in there, and that's, of course, Elton John, uh, originally written for the movie The Lion King, but it's also on his Love Songs album. And... It's a phenomenal song, and I think the message there was somewhat coy in that it's can you feel the love tonight after having heard this Vespers, because this is uh, theoretically something that you listen to at night. That's what a Vespers is for, typically uh, in the evening, and can you feel it? Can you feel the love? Um, and if not, let's take some action. So that's kind of a message that I wanted to send around there. Yeah. Something you kind of touch on there is you end with this instrumental piece. And that is a technique that I know you talk to a lot of other people who help write Vespers is using instrumentals. And for your first couple sections, it's just using the instrumental of the song you choose. Yeah. Um, and then you end with, of course, can you feel the love tonight? But tell me how that changes the mood. Because yeah. I, know, I know, at least in the Vespers I wrote, that you kind of told me that it definitely creates an environment almost but talk me through that yeah there's a, a good example of that will illustrate this point is if you watch a really intense scene in a movie with full volume and everything and then you turn off the volume or take out the music the entire mood changes it's completely it removes the impact and i think that part of the power of vespers is the fact that through music we are able to hit a message that we would not be able to hit otherwise. And so I think we are not taking full advantage of the power of Vespers unless we are using more music. And I think that comes down to the what's, what's being said behind what you're saying. What's the subtext? And I think that music creates the subtext whether it's uh, the intro to a song on repeat, or whether it's a guitar riff that you create on GarageBand. I think that no matter what it is, whatever you choose to do, it has an affect that will effect your Vesper. It's so powerful, yeah. And one thing I kind of like to talk about is I also ended an instrumental in the Vespers I wrote, but the lyrics there are kind of powerful, even though you don't get to hear them. Is You kind of talk, can you feel the love tonight, and how you want that to be an everlasting message. 
But are there other things that people like overlook just because the words aren't there that you kind of want to carry that message through? Sure. So some of the things that come to mind for me when I think about what's the subtext, what's the message that I'm trying to send that's subtle because the lyrics aren't there. I, I think for me, one of the things that Can You Feel the Love Tonight sends as an kind of a bonus, a little Easter egg, if you are aware of what the lyrics are, is that can you feel the love tonight? You needn't look too far. Stealing through the night's uncertainties, love is where they are. And that's just one, but like the can you feel the love tonight, the peace the evening brings, it's that love is a powerful thing and it can change our world if we embrace it, even though it's uncomfortable even though it's hard, even though it requires us to take a stand and believe that we are lovable. Um, I think that it's just a little subtle message that sometimes people will pick up on and sometimes people won't. And I think that's okay that it's not explicit. Yeah, and I think just you saying that, I think it almost connects back to your first section of what is a Vesper, the idea that you don't have to look far that most times when you're listening to a Vespers, you're surrounded by people in this peaceful kind of atmosphere that truly do love you. And I think it's a great way of closing your Vespers, but also kind of tying it back to the very beginning of it. Yeah, I like that idea. <laughs> I didn't do that on purpose, but I'm okay with it. Take claim for it. So you've had the opportunity to berate me with questions. I have now the joy of asking you a few. Uh, so first thing that I'm curious, just for my own gratification, like what did this Vespers bring up for you having uh, listened to it, uh, maybe even after your first time listening to it? What were the things that came up? Yeah. I mean, you had talked to me even before you wrote this about love. I've, we've talked countless hours. Um, but I think one of the biggest things that hit me was and I think the reason that second song spoke to me so much was that love isn't always pretty. I think we have this very romanticized idea of love, that it's hearts and like this inclusive feeling that brings us all together. But there's definitely lows. It's a, it's a journey. You talk about it with your family, that you always have your family. But whether it's this unconditional love, it may not always be as simple as that. And I think understanding that it's this up, it's this down, it's this roller coaster of understanding that love is a journey. It has its highs, its lows, but in the end, it's the thing that kind of brings us together. And I think writing that out was the and biggest thing. I think that's something that comes up for me is like a lot of times when you say like what is love to people, they talk about like the goal, the end point. And like I think you just eloquently said that there, it's not about the end point. It's not about the goal. It's about the journey that it takes to get there, mm -hmm. uh, if there is a there, right? Yeah. Um, it's just figuring that out and what it is along the way. And I think that's so true, and I, I definitely agree with that. Okay, so one of the things that I'm also uh, curious about that I think will be really beneficial for us to think about moving forward, and hopefully we'll be able to ask this with all of our Vespers, but essentially what is this Vespers calling you to change or do differently now that you've heard it? I think I'll, one thing I struggle with personally is this idea of self-respect. And I think always asking the question, are you enough, will be something that sticks with me and constantly pushing myself and other people to find value in who they are. But I think one thing I realized and I talked about through my deep analysis of my friends. Um, <laughs> you didn't see the quotes he made with his hands. But... It's this idea that 
if you want to build connection, it's this conscious effort that we have to reach out to other people. I think it's something I struggle with a lot that I feel like I'm not valued from other people because people don't reach out to me. That I'm never the person they text to go hang out or I'm never the person that they reach out to because they want to go get ice cream. And there's, there's little things that I think can be overlooked in a lot of different cases. But if it is this conscious journey that we're taking, it's this action that we have to put in place that it's as much as my responsibility as others to make that happen. Mm. And I think maybe how bad is it to text someone, hey, do you want to go get food? How bad is it to say, do you want to hang out this weekend? Um, it's much of my responsibility as others. And I think keeping that in the back of my head would be good for me. Yeah, I absolutely struggle with that. And like the everybody's like, oh, the worst thing that can happen is somebody will say no. <laughs> Sometimes that's devastating. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. that's like a dagger to the heart when like even oh I totally get where you're coming from. I it is a lot on the line sometimes with just a small text. Uh, I think for some people it is just a small text. And I think the hardest part is realizing that it's not that way for everybody. Uh, you being one of them and exactly. and me being another. <laughs> so I appreciate that. That's something that I will uh, bear in mind as I move forward as well. So thank you for sharing. Thank you. Uh, I'm really excited about this cool project. It seems me really too. cool. <laughs> awesome. All right, thanks, Jason. No problem. That was so fun. Jason is such a good friend and he's a great leader and I'm just so glad that we could get his insight on this Vespers. So maybe one day in the future we can take some time to listen to his Vespers on respect. Before that, though, I guess I would really love for you to consider creating a Vespers and submitting it to this project. We would really love to hear from anyone willing to share that their point of view through the power of Vespers. So if you have any questions, about the process or about writing of Vespers, feel free to contact me. We are proudly supported by the Ark of E. And you can reach me at thearcofe at gmail.com. Again, that's thearcofe at gmail.com. And we would love to hear from you. That's a wrap, folks. Thanks for listening. <laughs>